Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jenna Poffgray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 27 of Theatre Forward. Good to be here. Yes. So this week's conversation is about age, specifically about age-appropriate casting. Does it matter? Why? Why not? Uh, and really, this this conversation was prompted by, um, I think we've all read or seen one of the most um, sort of lauded and buzzed about plays of the recent year or two, Dance Nation by Claire Barron, which just has a really um, sort of exciting and fascinating conceit to it, which is that it's a play about a bunch of teenage girls and, a, and one boy. Um, that's the whole cast. It's like a, a teen dance troupe. But all of the characters are specifically to be played by adult, adult actors of varying ages. Um, and just being really taken with that idea and how does it change the experience of reading the play, of seeing the play, that got us thinking about um, about other plays and, and the decisions that we make when we're casting about, does this character need to be played by an actor who is actually at or very near the age specified for the character? And, and how does that change from situation to situation? Well, I think Dance Nation's a great example um, for me. I mean, I saw it twice in the recent Steppenwolf production at its opening and then on closing weekend. I liked it that much. And, you know, you're dealing with, you know, as you put it, Jen, I mean, people who in some cases are in their, you know, 50s or even 60s, whose bodies reflect uh, even those who take care of themselves, the wear and tear that comes to those of us that have made it that far. Um, and they're playing tweens, um, you know, who are 12 and 13 and have not yet masturbated or, and it's a theme that's talked about in the play, or don't understand what their bodies are all about. And when it's mostly women are learning to deal uh, through the conceit of a dance competition and what that means to be in the sight of the male gaze all the time. And it's just incredibly moving to see people who have lived their whole life and then look back on that in that way. And in, so in that particular play, having people who were older play people who were more or less children made total sense to me. But yeah. then there's another play, um, which we talked about in the last uh, podcast, which is also running in Chicago right now, How to Defend Yourself, which in, deals with a sexual assault aftermath on a college campus. And there, I, I think if the actors were not that age or close to, um, it would not be credible as a production. They are all a little bit older in this production, but none of them are uh, are at a point where you would start to get an uh, interference in your brain between the situation on stage and the age of the actual characters. It is so case by case. I mean, I remember when I first uh, returned to Madison after being on the East Coast for 15, 16 years, uh, the first production that I directed here was for Madison Rep. And I was hired to direct uh, the new adaptation of The Diary of Anne Frank. And I remember having conversations with the artistic leadership about casting. And and the, the assumption was that we would just go to Chicago and audition a whole bunch of, you know, young looking post college uh, women to play Anne. And I, I remember just I mean, I wasn't putting my foot down or anything, but I remember saying you need a teen to play this teen and not only a teen, but a teen who grew up in this community because the experience for the audience of seeing 
what this family goes through and what this girl goes through. It's just different when you're watching a kid who you know actually is a middle schooler who goes to school here in Madison, Wisconsin, and now she's living out the story of Anne Frank on stage in front of you. It's I think there's a level of um, empathy and compassion that is heightened when you see someone of that age live mm-hmm. that story. And um, it's not that uh, an older actress might not have had more of a skill set, um, more training, um, more perspective from an adult angle to bring to it. But then you also lost, you know, an authenticity that I think would have diminished that production. I think we're, we're talking about kids. And I think that I mean, certainly there's plays that we read that say, and and there's, you know, three six-year-olds and <laughs> very few regional theaters say, that Let's sounds do that. great. <laughs> um, but how about, so I'm, I'm going to move us up a little bit. How about the ages of like 30 to 50? Oof. And that that becomes trickier, I think. And I don't know that there are certainly playwrights always have ages mm-hmm. next to in their cast breakdown. But how much does that matter? Um, we're we're dealing right now with a show um, casting. I won't yeah. <laughs> give away, but um, a mother and her son. Right. And it's a young mother and her son or a mother that had her son when she was right. young. How do we really have to do that? And does the how important is that age? Yeah. And I think it comes down to what it is that we need the audience to buy into. I loved your your phrasing interference, Mike. Like if the casting disrupts to the point that the audience can't follow the story and Mm -hmm. they're more preoccupied with I don't believe that she has a 23 year old son. I mean, then obviously we're not doing a good job. And if the actress is really good, that can make the difference in whether they believe it or not. Um, And it's funny bringing this up, you know, because we had this exact conversation kind of on the flip side when we were casting Fun Home last Mm -hmm. season. And we very purposefully cast an adult Allison, medium Allison and small Allison that were all three of different races. Um, And the feeling was the audience will maybe think about it for about a minute. And then they're going to get over it and we're going to have this incredible universality of the story that is going to really pull people in with the added bonus of additional representation in a really important story, especially for the LGBTQ plus community. And so um, I don't think there's a rule. I mean, as a director, there's not a rule. It's like you just kind of have to follow your gut. And I will say part of my uh, difficulty when we are talking, especially in that 30, you know, like late 30s to early 50s. I, I, it is almost impossible for me to guess how old people are. I look at them because you could be really young looking for your age. You could look older than your age. You know, I'm continually surprised when I find out people's real ages that don't <laughs> match up with my own. Um, but I do. So where I get more, much more um, uh, worried about authenticity is when you're at the farther ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. because there starts to be an understanding that you have given the point you are in your life that comes through, you know, if you're a mid twenties, something playing a 13 year old, you have a perspective that the 13 year old doesn't have. And it's almost, I think impossible to leave that perspective behind. And similarly, if we're getting up to the far end of the age range, um, there's life experiences that someone who's getting up there has that someone who's a couple decades younger doesn't. And does the play 
what does the play lose? Right. Um, if you yeah, I sure don't want to see, uh, to take a play that we just did it forward. I don't want to see a bunch of 20 somethings, even though they may be more athletic flying through the air in Peter Pan. That's not what that play. <laughs> or Peter Pan under 70. Sarah Riddle's yes, birthday. Yeah, yeah actually, actually Peter, Peter Pan would Peter be okay. Peter Pan would be great. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the, one of the classic examples from the last few years is To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, with the Aaron mm-hmm. Sorkin adaptation. Now, the traditional adaptation, which the rep did in Milwaukee mm-hmm. a bunch of years ago, splits the role of Scout between an adult actor, it was played by Deb Staples, and a younger performer, which was played by Mallory Wallace. And it was really effective uh, work. They made the decision, Aaron Sorkin did with his adaptation, uh, to go with, you know, one scout, uh, and in fact, you know, one scout, one gem, one dill, all of whom were adult actors, as Celia Keenan-Volger was in her 40s when she played this role. And Jeff Daniels, who I love Jeff Daniels, he's from my home state of Michigan, but he made a snotty comment, which I really just think is wrong. He said, you've got Aaron Sorkin dialogue here. Find me a nine-year-old who can do that. They don't exist. Wrong. Au contraire. <laughs> um, you know, well, and that's, that's a bad justification. It's an, it's an interesting choice that Aaron yes. Sorkin did to justify it by because we couldn't find a nine-year-old who can't say the words is well and look right. i loved both no. of these both of these adaptations were wonderful but you did lose something good at, as the sorkin is by not having somebody who i mean do you have the wisdom or talent to maybe convey things when you're in your 40s about what a childhood is that you don't as a lived child sure but there's no substitute for the vulnerability and the innocence and just the physical difference in size even for somebody who's as small as, as Celia Keenan Bolger is of somebody who's nine years old or 10 years old. And I think that, you know, we have in this state, uh, you know, through CTM, Children's Theater of Madison, and then also First Stage in Milwaukee, which wins national competitions every year um, for the quality of its programming, who can bring things to bear as younger actors. One of the best Hamlets I ever saw, not for production values, not for the sort of elegance of the articulation and diction, was one that the Young Company at First Stage did uh, a number of years ago with, with Max Wilson, who was 17 or 18 years old at the time, a senior in high school, playing Hamlet. And it captured something about the vulnerability of that character that you just wouldn't find from somebody, no matter how much better they are, quote unquote, in terms of its skill level, who's in their 40s or late 30s. Well, and I think what it what it comes down to, as you look at every individual play that calls that has a young character, mm-hmm. inevitably what you're doing is you're creating a new equation of the value of authenticity versus the skill set required to manage and to handle what the play calls for. Um, and if if you need a really deep and robust skill set to carry off a particular role, you can't always find that in a really young actor and not because they aren't talented, but but there is an accumulation of skills that happens, <laughs> you know, as you do more and more theater. And you know, the number of times that I have sat in our office here at Forward and um, said, thank goodness for first stage because of the caliber of the training that they are yeah. giving to those young actors that I that has allowed me to do a play like Lauren Gunderson's I and You and cast and find a Shantae Miller who can carry that role of Caroline that can be on stage, two actors for a 90 minute play, only two actors 
doing incredibly difficult work and she was able to take it on. And of course she came back and played small Allison for us in fun home. And now she's at Juilliard and, you know, we'll take the world by storm, but um, you can't always find the right young actor for the right part. And, and, you know, so we also are very grateful when you find that, you know, 25 year old actor that really looks 16 um, because sometimes you need that right. to, to carry the burdens of a particular role and, and you can't find the right 16 year old, but um, yeah, it's that strange calculus and there there's, there's no rule yeah. to what I'm, works. I'm with you, Mike. I, I do believe preferably yeah. you would, you, you know, I would, I would certainly go with the uh, um, 16 year old if it was possible for all the reasons you stated and the vulnerability and the looking at the world differently. A 16 year old looks at the world differently than a 24 year old, but we do. We we are in positions many times where that person, the sixteen year old, isn't available. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yes. Right. I'm conceded. Conceded. Nine times out of ten, I think they are. And here's the thing: you <laughs> may you may lose something in terms of the skill set mm-hmm. with that. But this isn't. Um, you know, theater doesn't have to be. In, in fact, to my mind, is best when it's not naturalistic. Um, and so, what you lose in terms of authenticity. Uh, because of somebody not having the technical skills is gained in a different sort of way by a person being able to do things that that an older actor just just doesn't have anymore. It's the, yeah. Well, a great <laughs> example of the the sort of calculus around it, you know, so we've done quite a few shows here at Forward that re- have necessitated the hiring of quite a few teen actors, mm-hmm. you know, not just I and you. Um, we did a play from up here a number of years ago. You know, we've we've really um, used some fa- fantastic um, local young talent. Um, but I, I can think of another play that we absolutely loved that we decided not to do. And that's The Wolves, oh, which yeah. is a gorgeous play. Um, but like Dance Nation, it requires a large cast. Um, and unlike Dance Nation, it does want all of those in the cast to believably look like they are teens. And we looked at that and thought, you know, we feel confident we could probably fill about half this cast with um, young performers that were capable of performing at the at the at the caliber of performance that our audience expects of us as a professional company that that produces in, in terms of the physical needs at a certain level, um, in terms of their ticket price at a certain level, we weren't confident we could cast the entire thing, and we all felt what we really wanted was for a local college or high school to do it because then you don't walk in with a certain expectation of technique, and you can just walk in and see a bunch of young people play these roles and be incredibly moved. So I'm thrilled that University of Wisconsin-Madison is doing it this spring and I can't wait to see it. Uh Um, That was a place where we said, we don't think we should do this play here at Forward because either we wouldn't be doing the characters justice by having a cast of teens, or we kind of wouldn't be doing our audience justice by delivering an entire cast that we felt was ready to perform at a a level of expectation that we've set. I can't wait to see that play. It's so beautiful. <laughs> well, right. And, but, you know, going back to some of the things we talked about on our last podcast in terms of collaboration, maybe this is a, a prime example of theater companies everywhere, including Forward, needing to think outside the box of their season is their season and it's a four play season. Why can't companies like this one 
reach out and collaborate on, even though their name would be on it and it would be a different level in some ways of what's being produced and say, we are going to actively participate in the production of this piece using University of Wisconsin at Madison students because that's the right age range for doing something like that. And I'm not just talking about forward. This is a larger right. mm -hmm. issue in terms of thinking outside the box of what it means to have a season and having different kinds of seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will also say that um, despite my conversation about uh, earlier about when you're at the older end of the spectrum and that being a couple decades off on the age can you really don't have the same life experience, you you do start to run into um, sort of similar considerations. You know, with young actors, it's worrying, do, do they yet have the, the experience and the skill set developed to do the kind of in-depth work that we want to do. And of course, you know, when you do a play as we did a few seasons back, like 4,000 miles in which the oh, central character Vera example. is supposed to be in her mid nineties. Right. Um, it's not that there aren't strong working actors in their mid nineties out there. There aren't a whole lot right. of them and it takes a significant amount of physical stamina to do a, a play like, right. like this and have, you know, your three and a half weeks of rehearsal, have your three week run, do all these performances. Um, and that is a case where we cast the magnificent Susan Sweeney, who was several decades, know, a couple younger. decades younger <laughs> than that. Um, and, you know, and did the work to make herself appear older than, than she was. Mm -hmm. Now I wouldn't have wanted to cast a 50 year old to play 94 right. year old Vera, right. but an early seventies felt like a good compromise so that, Susan did have the stamina as well as the chops and the skill and talent mm -hmm. to play that role. But finding, you know, the Ruth Shudsons, um, to <laughs> name check a Milwaukee favorite, there's just not a lot. No. You know. Right. Um, well, available. and then you get a place sort of in the middle, whereas I recall, uh, Julie, I know you've read this, so help me out on this. And maybe, Jen, I think you have too, that Noah Heidel's play, Birthday Candles, has a, 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 a girl slash woman who's played from the age of like seven, I think, to when she's 100. Right. And I think you're left... And it's the same actor. It's the same actor. I, I should have said that. This is not Mary Page Marlowe, where you get eight <laughs> actors playing different <laughs> right. ages for one character. But I think he gives you the choice as to the age that you're going to use somebody. Right. And there, you're really just counting on the imagination to mm -hmm. carry you through a long life. And at some points it's going to make more sense from a sort of naturalistic, realistic perspective. And at other points it's, it's not, but it, it still theoretically holds together as a play. Well, I mean, that, that brings me to remembering and feeling goosebumpy all over again, probably my favorite theater memory for the 12 years that I lived in New York city and saw Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of shows. Probably the single most magical experience I had was going to Lincoln Center Theater and seeing Cherry Jones in oh. Pride's Crossing. And she, similar thing, played mm -hmm. that role from a child to an elderly woman. And it was nothing more than the taking on or off of a cardigan, basically, that she combined with her voice and her face and her body and her heart to be all of these ages. It was one of the most phenomenal performances I had ever seen. I literally, I was in my twenties at the time. And I remember seeing that show, walking out of the theater, walking up to the box office and buying a ticket to see it again, <laughs> because I wanted to try to dissect what she was doing. And I was just too in awe the whole first time through 
to experience anything else. So yes, a great actor can play any age and make us believe and feel all the feels. Um. <laughs> well, and with all due respect right. to the Irishman and Scorsese, you know what? You don't need to, in theater, put all the kind of plastic goo on people and use computer <laughs> programs to transcend ages. This is the magic of what we do. I think that while Jen doesn't maybe realize it yet, what she's just done is previewed a future podcast on favorite theater memories. Oh, <laughs> that would be fun. Oh, all right. That would be fun. But yeah, that one was, was extra special. Um, yeah, it's it, uh, this is another conversation where it, there's not a there's not an answer. There's not a, a solution, right or wrong. A right uh, or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but it was really fun talking with both of you about about the different situations we found ourselves in and the different mm -hmm. decisions that we've had to make. Um, so hopefully it prompts some some good thought for you, our listeners as well, and maybe you'll share them with us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, but for now, that's it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jen Upoff-Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm the ageless Mike Fisher. <laughs> our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, uh, at Theater Forward, as always, with an E-R. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And be sure to leave a stellar review. We're grateful to have you listening. And we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.